Welcome to the Vibe Chat Podcast. My name is Chris Langley, owner of Vibe Speech Therapy. And today I'd like to talk about ing. Ing is a sound that kids typically produce between the ages of two to three. It's no longer considered developmental by age four. If your child is still having difficulty producing ing and they're four years old or older, then they need some help from a speech and language therapist to acquire this sound. And I'm going to talk about how ing is produced and some methods to elicit the production and how literacy and some resources can help to sustain it. So first of all, let's talk about how it's made. So the ing sound is a nasal sound, which means that the air passes through the nasal passage instead of through the mouth when you make the sound. And to make this sound, the back of the tongue needs to be lifted against the soft palate. That's the soft area at the very back of the roof of the mouth. A seal is formed when the back of the tongue makes contact there. So once the seal is created, you make a sound with the vocal cords. And since you've closed off your mouth, the air travels through your nose and then creates the ing sound. Kids often make an N sound instead of an ing. And when this happens, it's usually due to the back of the tongue not having enough strength to lift and create a seal. The tongue then comes forward in the mouth and produces an N instead. And you can see that in the mirror. So, how do we elicit this sound? Well, the first thing to do is have your child say ing a few times slowly and steadily and see if it is present at all. And if it is, what degree is it present? I also ask kids if they can hear an N or an ing to see if they can hear the difference. And what I do when I'm trying to get them to detect it auditorily is I just record it. I just whip out my phone and I just say, okay, let's record it. We say it back and forth a couple of times. I have them say, I say the sound and then they say it like three times each or something like that. And then I have them listen to it. We play it back right there have them listen to it. And then I can see if they can detect it auditorily or not. If not, then we have to do some auditory bombardment is what they call it just to, you know, kind of saturate them to get them to start getting that auditory discrimination going N versus ing. And then it'll come as you practice with the placement. So like I was saying, you can use a mirror and they can see, okay, is our tongue coming forward? Like uh, king is a kind of a classic one. And then they'll say kin, like that. So you can work with that. And so we want to elicit this sound. We want to see how can we get this to come out? We don't want in instead of ing, obviously. So the first thing you do is you have them say this, you see, okay, it's your tongue coming forward. Okay. Let's look in the mirror. Maybe we record it and then say, okay, how can we fix it? Well, let's make an E. So make an E with a smile. E with a big smile, keeping your smile. And the production of the E sound naturally puts the tongue in a lifted position on the sides, which gives the tongue a running start. And then from there, they can try to lift their tongue further to create the seal. They can also try some tongue push-ups. So I use my hand and I show how the back of the tongue rises. I also have like a, a giant plastic mouth that opens and expands and the tongue moves. And so I, I can use that also. It's not, this tongue's not super flexible, but it does give another visual representation because it's hard to see inside. But I also use like one hand is the roof of the mouth and the other hand is the tongue. And I show how it rises to touch the soft palate while saying ing, ing in the back and see if they can touch the top back 
of the roof of the mouth and match the motion of your hand. And if it's too difficult, in spite of these verbal and visual cues, then they can try laying their head back because gravitational forces are real and they pull everything back. So whether they're doing it in a chair or, you know, laying back, which is not as comfortable, honestly, or if you, they're laying down flat on their back, which is more comfortable, but you want to consider the environment if they're in, uh, well, if, if I'm working with somebody in an, in an environment where I know the floor is not necessarily clean, then I may just have them put like uh, their a hoodie or their sweater or something behind their neck so it doesn't get painful. And then they can lean back and put their head more comfortably back like that. Um, I could also, I guess I could hold their head. I haven't really done that, but it, you know, you could do that and hold their head so they can rest the weight of their head back and then they wouldn't be on the floor. But if the floor is not too bad, kids don't care, but I always care more <laughs> about their cleanliness than they seem to. So whether they're doing that, either one is fine. Then you'll see that the tongue naturally falls back in the mouth, just like when you're eliciting a K and a G, you want the tongue to be back for those velar sounds. Then you can use a flavored tongue depressor any uh, or a non-flavored, doesn't matter. They like the smell of them. Oh my gosh, these flavored tongue depressors. They go a little bonkers for them, uh, especially like the grape and the strawberry. And they're just like, oh, can I keep it? I'm like, go for it. You can keep this tongue depressor, <laughs> use it again. So they go a little funny for those, but you can get those. They're easy to find online and, um, or you can use a lollipop. Lollipops are big winners. They're a little slippery, slippy, slipperier. Oh my gosh. That's a slippery sound to say slipperier sounding, um, to use the lollipops, but just like with the K and G, you know, you, you have to have something tangible, you know, for this. So you, it, the lollipop can be a little bit more fun in that they can then take a little suck, you know, after they make the sound. So they like, they like that part. Um, just a little bit of guidelines, some info on how to use this tongue depressor. So when they, when the child is pushing their tongue into the correct position, this is for the home program that you would have from your speech and language therapist, they would be telling you all that. I mean, I'm telling it to you now, but if you're getting services for your child, then these are some things that should be included in your home program. So you would have them push their tongue into the correct position or as close as they can get it for this ing sound. And then while holding their tongue in the correct, correct position, you have them try to say the ing sound. And if they typically say the N for the ing, then the tongue depressor will hold the tongue tip down and then the child will end up producing the ing sound. So you can kind of try to get a visual of how it's working. It's holding that in and then they push it. So if they're not able to produce the sound when the tongue depressor comes out of their mouth, then in addition to working on it, then they may also need some oral motor exercises to help them improve the strength and coordination of their articulators, the tongue, lips, and jaw, and especially the tongue in this case to see if there's weakness or lack of coordination is present. Um, oral motor exercises are, I think, pretty crucial when you're working on articulation issues because the reason why they're having an articulation problem is because they're lacking strength and coordination somewhere in some way with one or more of their articulators. And they work synergistically, so it's always a good idea to strengthen and uh, improve coordination for all of them. And there's different protocols you can use. I have a, a, a protocol that I created 
and uh, it works really well. And they are exercises that you can pair with sound and then some other exercises that you don't. So just like any activity, you know, you want your build the motor memory in the right place. So that's some information on there. And the lollipops, like I said, are similar, but their motivation is a bit higher. And then when they lay back, you put that lollipop on the front of the tongue, and then you apply gentle pressure as a child's instructed to produce this ing sound. And then they get the feel of the placement quickly and easily, you know, as they're laying down, it comes more naturally because the tongue is back there. So we want to think about the ing in literacy. I have a literacy mind and I always think about how is this pairing with literacy? Is there a need for me to support literacy? Usually there is. And even if the child is just fine, age appropriate, grade level appropriate, even advanced, it doesn't hurt to integrate literacy in any way that seems appropriate for what you're working on. And in this case, when ing is produced with vowels, then you can have a lot of practice in how it shows up in words. For example, we have ing, ang, ong, ong, and we can put an S in front of that and we can make sing, sang, song, sung. And I create fun activities with them. You know, okay, let's just put Pick any letter in the alphabet, you know, not any letter, but like just say a B, a B, bing, bang, bong, bong, you know, or an F. So it's kind of fun. Like it doesn't matter if it's a real word or if it's a nonsense word. But, you know, another thing you, you can do is if they're practicing a speech sound, let's say they're working on their R sound or their L or their S or their TH, which are common culprits in articulation delays and disorders, they can put those in front of there as well. So there's lots of different options, lots of different things to do between speech and language activities. Um, you can read books with them. They have lots of ing words. Slowing down and emphasizing those sounds helps them to grasp it. And you can remind them where and how that sound is made and either have them say the words after you or read the words themselves, depending on their age and reading level. And as we know about talking from other about others developing sounds, we typically follow a hierarchy. I tend to do a um, mixed hybrid hierarchy. I, 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 I do follow it from the phoneme level into the word level, then the phrase level, the sentence, and then structured conversation and spontaneous conversation. That's a hierarchy. But sometimes I jump around a little bit just because I think it's useful. What happens a lot of times with articulation is you're like, oh, no, no, they have those sounds. They've got those sounds. Well, as soon as they start mixing it in with with all of the other sounds, then the sounds you thought they had start kind of shifting and breaking down because you're, you're stirring the pot. So I like to just kind of jump around a little bit and then still stay within my hierarchy as a base. So you might want to think about that when you're doing your home program. and. Uh, there's a lot of resources. There's apps and there's on Boom Learning. Uh, wow. It's www.wow.boomlearning.com. They have a lot of things that you can do. It's super affordable for most families and you can purchase them and do these discrete exercises. And they have kind of, you know, like a little puzzle things or they have different kinds of activities, kind of quick and dirty activities. 
And um, Teachers Pay Teachers is another website that people use, but those are more hard copy things a lot of times. And there's apps. Uh, Little B Speech has apps and Virtual Speech Center has apps that are for articulation and you can use those. And there's a lot to do, but we're here to help and make it as easy and fun as possible. So thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please follow me on Apple and Spotify or on any other podcast platform. And to get more information on speech and language therapy, visit my website at vibespeechtherapy.com. Mm-hmm.